Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's February 23rd, 1820. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Killing the Prime Minister has always got to be the top target for any British revolutionary worth his salt. But today in history, in 1820, a conspiracy was busted at the last minute to assassinate not only the PM, Lord Liverpool, but also his entire cabinet. And not by blowing up the House of Commons like Guy Fawkes tried, but whilst they were having dinner in a private home. Yeah, so in 1820, an exciting opportunity had opened up for the group who called themselves the Society of Spensian Philanthropists. A very disarming name for a terrorist cell, it has to be said. (laughs) Uh, The death of George III in January had really destabilised the government. And then at the meeting of the philanthropists on the 22nd of February, a member called George Edwards revealed that the entire cabinet, including Prime Minister Lord Liverpool, was to gather for dinner at the home of Lord Harrowby, head of the Privy Council, the following evening. A seemingly unique chance to wipe out the government in one fell swoop but little did they know that the group had an informant in its midst and that informant was edwards himself and the supposed cabinet dinner was in fact a total fabrication designed to expose and incriminate the conspirators yeah so all of this came about in the aftermath of the napoleonic wars and it was sort of the end point of a sequence of protests and revolts that had been triggered by this massive economic upheaval that the country was seeing there were hugely soaring food costs high unemployment and very very low wages And pretty much people had decided that peaceful protest wasn't the way to get their aims. And that was partly because it was all a year and a half after the Peterloo massacre, which was this moment where the British armed forces dispersed a peaceful gathering that were advocating for political reform in Manchester. And the army killed 18 civilians and there were loads of people injured. And lots of people then came to the conclusion that the time for sort of peaceful demonstration and gentle talk was over. Yes, I mean, very much over. The the plan, if you look at what they were intending to do, is ruthless. Uh, Arthur Thistlewood, one of the conspirators, was to knock on the front door of the house, pretending to have official papers for Lord Harrowby. Then the rest of the conspirators were going to rush into the house, throw grenades around to spread panic and confusion. Then they'd massacre the whole dinner party and put their heads on spikes, which... Obviously symbolic of how captured radicals were treated by the British throughout history, and that's why they wanted to do it. But still, it's amazing that we're we're only 200 years ago at this point, 1820, and we are still in the potential heads-on-spikes era. You know, I feel, I feel like now, whatever yeah. you think of our politicians, we've passed people wanting that. Yeah, it was kind of the midpoint between heads-on-spikes and communism, because their other big idea, as well as the, you know, sticking people's heads onto things, was that all of the land would now be held in common. It would be redistributed from the aristocracy, and they believed that this grateful working class would just rise up in support of their new provisional government. 
Yes, the idea was to then sow confusion by lighting fires all around the capital, essentially signalling to all of London's radicals, the time is now, it's happening. Then they would seize the artillery ground in Finsbury to get more arms, and then they'd capture the Bank of England. Yeah, their ringleader was a guy called Arthur Thistlewood, who was a bit of an outsider since birth, actually. He was the child of an affair between his father, who was a well-to-do farmer, and the family housekeeper. And he kind of drifted a lot as an adult. He'd been educated at grammar school with a view to training him as a surveyor, but he ended up in the army. He had a failed go at farming, married, became a widower, remarried. Some accounts claim that he travelled to France and was there during the terror, although we only have evidence of a visit to Paris in 1814. Nonetheless, he certainly absorbed the most bloodthirsty version of the ideals of the French Revolution. And he became involved with this group, the Society of Spencian Philanthropists. They were named after a radical called Thomas Spence. Spencer died in 1814, but he, in his lifetime, had called for the abolition of the aristocracy, public ownership of all land, a universal basic income, the equality of the sexes, you know, pretty rich stuff for the 1800s. But within this group named after him, an extremist cell emerged with Thistlewood as its leader, who had had this aim of violently overthrowing the government and installing themselves as Committee of Public Safety, obviously, you know, choosing that same name that was used by the ruling body established by the French revolutionaries. And as you mentioned, yeah, their first attempt at bringing about revolution was a very traditional, do you hear the people sing type thing. They distributed pamphlets entitled An Address to Suffering Britons, advertising a meeting on the 2nd of December 1816 at Sparfields in Islington. The meeting was ostensibly to hear a speech by a popular radical speaker, although not an extremist, called Henry Hunt. But the committee's secret plan as you mentioned, was then to whip this up into a riot which would seize the Royal Exchange, the Bank of England and the Tower of London. In the event, they did manage to get a bit of a mob going, but they were easily dispersed by constables and soldiers who actually laughed when Thistlewood demanded their surrender. Uh, Thistlewood, along with three other Spencian leaders, were charged with high treason, but the case fell apart because it relied on a guy called John Castle, a government informer who had infiltrated the group. He was discredited on the stand. He was portrayed as an agent provocateur who had basically entrapped them and they managed to escape punishment. And then they started thinking we can no longer rely on the flaky old mob we need to come up with a more direct plan yeah i mean prior to putting their direct plan into action thistlewood tried to emigrate to the u.s but he had basically limited finances and he couldn't secure safe passage and so instead he stuck around the government meanwhile was keeping tabs on him he kept plotting he originally abandoned a plan to drop a bomb on the heads of mps in the commons chamber in 1819. It's very Dick Dastardly style schemes. Yeah, well, and and that was his own objection to his own plan. He was like, it's a bit impractical. But leading us up to this day, it was the death of King George III in January 1820 that sort of seemed to give him another chance. He thought that having troops deployed away from London to Windsor to guard the new and actually quite unpopular King George IV would give him the opportunity to attack Parliament while they were at their most vulnerable. But George Edwards, uh, as before mentioned, the agent provocateur who'd set them up, had given the Privy Council the details of the meeting, so the MPs weren't meeting at Lord Harrowby's house. Nonetheless, on this day, in a hayloft off Edgware Road, at 7.30pm, there were 20 conspirators waiting to stock up on a cache of arms that included one firearm, 24 hand grenades, one large bomb, 20 pike blades, six pounds of gunpowder, 2,000 rounds of ammunition, and a range of knives and cleavers, when who comes knocking at the door? Well, actually, not the police, because there wasn't a Met Police at this point. The Bow Street Runners, who were an early police force, shouting, we are peace officers, lay down your arms. 
Yeah, and there had actually been warning signs that something was off. One of the conspirators, a mixed-race British Jamaican called William Davidson, had once worked for Lord Harrowby, and he had heard from a current servant that Lord Harrowby was not at home. He wasn't in London, so how could he be hosting the entire cabinet at his house? But that was dismissed as a mix-up, and it was Davidson who was the first to encounter this force of constables. He tried to hold them off and give the co-conspirators time to escape, but in the end, they burst into the room. They actually were supposed to be backed up by Coldstream Guards, but the Coldstream Guards had got lost, you know, the streets of London being a of a rabbit warren at the time. So it was only about an equivalent force of constables versus conspirators. So in the fracas of the raid, Thistlewood killed one of the constables with a sword and he managed to escape through a window with several others, but they were all caught within a few days. At trial, they tried to repeat their earlier gambit and portray themselves as victims of Edwards's entrapment, but it's quite hard to make that hold water a second time. And the result of the trial was a pretty foregone conclusion. Six of the 11 men changed their pleas and they were sent to Australia. Five of them tried to tough it out and actually uh, go to trial. All five of those men ended up being sentenced to death. And in a relic of the old punishment of hanging and quartering, they were to be beheaded after their death. And the day before they were about to be killed, James Ings wrote to his wife, Think nothing of my unfortunate fate, for I am gone out of a very troublesome world, and I hope you will let it pass like a summer cloud over the earth. Uh, There was another amazing uh, moment where, while on the scaffold outside of Newgate Prison before they were about to be hanged, Thistlewood, who was just sucking an orange, said, I hope the world will be convinced that I have been sincere in my endeavours and that I die a friend to liberty. But the sucking an orange bit is the most casual way to go to the gallows I can possibly imagine. Well, I think they knew what you know the punishment would be if they were caught trying to assassinate the entire cabinet and so you know let's not discredit them to the extent where we assume that they hadn't thought that through before they gathered in the hayloft on this day you know that that was in the back of their minds they're doing this as a fight for liberty and if they die they die so actually the ones who didn't change their pleas they knew what was coming to them Mm. And in the end, it was quite a rowdy and chaotic atmosphere during the execution because the crowd jeered and booed the executioners. Lots of them were calling out for George Edwards, the informer, to instead be the one on the scaffold. The sympathy was definitely with the conspirators. Uh, And the proceedings turned out to be very grisly also. The heads were sawn off with a knife, which took quite a long time. And two knives had to be thrown out because the tips had become bent on the vertebra of the victims. The executioner dropped one of them. He dropped John Brunt's head as he went to brandish it along. (laughs) Luckily for the government, the 1820s then unwrapped into a decade of economic prosperity. And with Catholic emancipation just around the corner as well, there was slightly less for the proletariat to be upset about. So the threat was quashed. It didn't really rear its head again. Uh, And spikes became a tool for barbecuing meat once again. (laughs) (laughs) And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 